said, my name is Charles, lead pastor here. Good morning, everyone. We are in a season of Lent. Lent is this period of six weeks leading up to Easter. It's a special period for people of faith, uh, a season known for fasting, prayer, getting ready for, to celebrate Easter, which is coming up. And wasn't it great to have like the whole band up? Yay! We are coming back to normal. Isn't that great? Wow, after two years, we could use some normal, right? So this year, we are in a sermon series called Saying Yes to God's Invitations with the idea that God is constantly speaking to us today, uh, inviting us to joy and life and love and good fruits, all the things we want in life, God is trying to supply us with all that we need to get the best life we can and bringing us to good possibilities for the future. With that in mind, my sermon today is titled, Position Your Mindset to Better Hear Invitations from God. Doesn't that sound good? Like we need better mindset to hear better what God is trying to do to bring good fruit in our lives because it's so easy to fall into wrong mindset for people of faith. You know, it's so easy to get into the wrong mindset, especially in a season like Lent. Because, you know, fasting and prayer, what does that like make us think of? Like, we think we should fast from like things that really are hard to give up, right? Just really get painful things, give up painful things so that God will hear us, right? That's kind of the common mindset. I mean, what would be really painful for you to give up? Coffee? Yeah, I mean, can you live without coffee? Like, like some, how about meat, right? Are you, you guys okay with it? Yeah, so a lot of you are like, yeah, I can give up meat. <laughs> but some of us, no, right? No, some of us are like, no. <laughs> that's so hard. Like, give up stuff that's so painful. Why, why give up such important things in our lives? Because we think more pain, the better, right? If we just sacrifice, whip ourselves, then maybe God will hear us. The mindset behind that is God is up there in the heavens, very far away. We're down here, and it's kind of hard to reach out and get God to hear us. It's not easy. And so if we whip ourselves and do all these extra things, then maybe God will hear you. Maybe God will move and your prayers will get answered if you really like give to God, serve God, whip ourselves, you know, make your voice loud, right? That's kind of the mindset. Do it the right way. Worship the right way. Believe the right things. Sacrifice the right things and God will be moved. And that's a very commonly held belief mindset behind people with faith. Wouldn't you agree? That's a very common mindset. I'm here to tell you that is wrong. That is wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> if you haven't got that across, you know. It's not the right mindset for Christians 
and new covenant with God. In the Old Covenant, yes, in the Old Testament section of the Bible, you see teachings like that. But not for Christians. This is one of the areas where Christian faith differs dramatically from the Old Covenant faith. This is clear from the teachings of Apostle Paul in the uh, book of Acts, chapter 17. This is the main passage for today. Let's take a listen. Acts chapter 17. While Paul, Apostle Paul, was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he gives a speech. People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples built by human hands, and God is not served by human hands as if God needed anything. Rather, God gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And God marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for God and find God, though God is not far from any of us. For in God we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are God's offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now God commands all people everywhere to repent, change their minds. Great teaching from Paul. I love it. And I find the main punch, the main point of his teaching to be in this verse. God is not served by human hands as if God needed anything. Rather, God gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Very powerful teaching. Very counterintuitive to a religious mindset, don't you think? Very powerful. Makes so much sense, doesn't it? I mean, any God that needs stuff from us is a puny God. To quote from Hulk, right? Did you watch that movie? Like, from Avengers, Hulk is like, puny God, right? It's a puny God. God doesn't need anything from you. What does God get from your service and obedience? I, I, I mean, God gets, <laughs> it's ludicrous <laughs> to think that God benefits, you know, that the, uh, we could give to God. No, rather, God gives to us. This is a powerful insight that we must remember. It points out the wrong assumptions about the divine. Paul says the Athenians are very religious. One ancient Athenian writer living at the time claimed that there were 30,000 altars in the city. 
30,000 gods that they worshipped. And there is even an altar to an unknown god. What does that tell you? To me, that tells me they're trying to cover every base. <laughs> right? 30,000 gods. I mean, it's like, how can you even think of 30,000 gods? <laughs> they must have been going at it trying to think of everything they could think of, right? And then at the end, they said, well, there may be one we are missing. You know? <laughs> Let's have an unknown god here, too. So the mentality behind it is, why risk it? Right? Why risk offending a god? Maybe we missed one. And then that might, that might get us punished. Right? Why risk? Just cover every base. Go at it. Now, we might find that such mindset ludicrous and laugh at it. I mean, we don't bring sacrifices to 30,000 different gods today, right? But are we really that different? We are still the same human beings. I think it's very common to think, why risk offending God in Christian churches? It's very common. Why risk? There may even be unknown things about us, about our church, about me, about unknown things even that offends God. Oh, God, 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 I'm so sinful. I'm so bad. I, you know, just cover. I, I can think of 30,000 sins. And, you know, there may even be unknown things. I'm just so screwed. Right? This mentality. God... Base, God's basic attitude towards us is anger and displeasure. I guess there is something wrong. We have to cover every base. Do everything right. This is so common. I've heard this so many times as a pastor. And for example, our church's uh, position of fully accepting LGBTQ community. I, I would hear from religious Christians over and over again, why risk offending God? I know, why, why risk it? And that would be so frustrating to me because that is exactly the wrong mindset for people of faith. It's wrong to believe such things that God's basic attitude is is judging us, you know, distant in the heavens, watching every little thing. And if you go off, you're going to get punished. In the Old Testament, yes, but not in the New Covenant. Listen to Paul. God is not up there watching us at every turn. God is real close, all around us, supporting us, being with us says, God is not served by human hands as if God needed anything. Rather, God himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For in God we live and move and have our being. This is so different than the usual religious mindset. And this reinforces the main image of our teaching, the vine and the branches, this sermon series. 
Jesus taught us in John chapter 15 that God is the vine and we are the branches. God is in us. We are in God. We are real close. We have our being. We live and move and have our being in God. This means God is not far off. We don't have to bargain and wheedle and whip ourselves and feel like we are so wrong and there are so many things wrong with us. God is displeased with us. No, God is connected to you right now. Right here, God is supporting you. We are like branches to the vine. God is here all around us. One with us. God in us. We in God. That's teaching from Jesus. God is not displeased, looking, you know, looking down at us, you know, and like going, ah, I can't stand it. I can't stand you. God is connected with us. So why are most Christians, many, many Christians, religious people, still in the grip of this old religious wrong mentality, as I would put it? Why, why is that so common out there? This idea that we have to follow the heavenly way, the divine way, God's way, and it's very sad, and you, know, you can just easily fall off divine way, and it will be, it'll be very bad for you. What, why is that so common out there? You know, my view is in the minority. Let's just call it, right? So why is that the, the vast majority of the viewpoint? Why is that? Well, this idea that, that, that idea that we have to follow this divine way, it did a very powerful revolutionary service to humanity at one time. At the, around the time that the Bible was written, 3,000 years ago, it brought humanity forward from the barbaric age to the civilized age. It's called, in, in historical philosophy, there is a term called axial insight or axial age. Axial age is a term coined by German philosopher Karl Jaspers. It refers to broad changes in religious and philosophical thought that occurred in a variety of locations from about the 8th to the 3rd century BCE. That's about 2,900 to 2,600 years ago. Uh, according to Jaspers, during this period, universal, universalizing modes of thought appeared in Persia, India, China, the Levant, and the Greco-Roman world in a striking parallel development without any obvious admixture between these disparate cultures. Jaspers identified key thinkers from this age who had a profound influence on future philosophies and religions and identified characteristics common to each area from which those thinkers emerged. So around that time, this is, what, this is when Old Testament section of the Bible was written around 8th century BCE to 3rd century BCE. This is what scholars believe. Something happened all around the globe, from east to west, that revolutionized human culture. The human culture before this was pretty much criminal. <laughs> Let's face it, it was a barbaric age. Might makes 
right. The powerful could do anything they want. The kings could do anything they want. Just kill, pillage, rape. That was just commonplace. Anything went. But then something happens. You know, and it's not, they were not mixed. Something happened spontaneously all around the globe without mixing. All at the same time, around the same time. Confucianism rose up in the East. Hinduism and the idea of karma in India. Islam in the Middle East or Plato and Cave in the Greco-Roman world, Judeo-Christianity. They all had this one idea in common. There is a divine way. There is a heavenly way. God's ways or heaven's ways or beyond the cave, the ideal world. And what that did was it curbed the tyranny of the powerful. God was above the kings. The kings, the powerful, they couldn't just go around and do whatever they want because there will be punishment from the heavens. Do you see that? That there is this ideal way that everyone is supposed to follow and it did a powerful thing in bringing civilization forward. It made civilization possible, actually. Every major civilization today traces itself to one of these thoughts you know, around the globe. It's a very powerful thought. It, it served humanity in in, in curbing the barbaric age. And it all had in common, you know, there's this strict divine way. If there's an ideal divine heavenly way, then, then everyone has their place, right? There's kings, there's nobles, there's free men, there's free women, there is like, you know, people of faith, and there's the barbarians, and, and everyone had their place, and everyone should go into their respective places, and everyone should... Follow the heavenly way. There's a right way to, to you know, act with one another. It, you know, you can't just do whatever you want. You, there is a heavenly way for everyone to follow. Do you see that? that? That's what brought civilization forward. This idea that serve God and God's heavenly ways. It made life less chaotic, less criminal, more civilized, revolutionary. And of course, church was a major force in spreading this and, and teaching people to move away from criminal ways to, to a more civilized, heavenly way. Church saw as its job to teach people right from wrong, heavenly ways from your selfish, human, flawed ways. So, you know, a pastors like me we were expected to teach you right from wrong. Makes sense, right? Now, I have to tell you, though, if that's the main job of the church, then why does the Bible call the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of right and wrong, why does the Bible call that the root of all sin that causes fall of humanity in Genesis 3? Shouldn't that at least give us a pause and take a step back and think, just thinking right and wrong, good and evil, that's not all good. 
there is some problem with it, don't you think? If that's called what causes the fall of humanity, shouldn't we like think a little deeper? That's not that simple. Jesus and Christian faith goes beyond such simplistic thinking. We go beyond, we go a little deeper. Paul declared the actual age to be over with the coming of Jesus. He says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now God commands all people everywhere to repent. It is past time that we repent from such wrong mindset and mentality. God doesn't operate like that. You know, God gets something out of us, like following God's ways. We serve God, we give to God, and then we get rewarded from God as if God was some kind of godfather from some mafia. <laughs> doesn't work like that. God gets nothing from us. No, God is the roots. God is the origin and support of all our beings, vine and the branches. Please believe this. God is supporting you right now. No matter who you are, where you are, what you are, God is blessing you. God is not like watching you for like flaws and like, let's check off boxes, you know, the good things that you are and the bad things you do. And it's not, God is not Santa Claus. You know, like, are you naughty? Doesn't work like that. Repent. We need to repent from this actual age mentality that is common to all religions around the world. I mean, why be a Christian? If you're just going to follow everything that is common to every religion around the world. They all look the same, don't they? Right from wrong, there's a heavenly way, there's a... I mean, I think Islam does an even better job in terms of like heavenly way and following. What's different about us if right and wrong is all there is to faith? So position your mindset in faith. Stop serving idols from the actual age. Repent. Don't be so afraid. God is here with you. God is your best friend, cheering for you, rooting for you. Think in those terms. So what can we do to position our mindset better? Practical suggestions. First, fight the mentality of heavenly order in social structures based on fear. Actual age mentality is very hierarchical. That makes sense, because if there is a divine heavenly way that places everyone in their place, then obviously there's going to be a mentality that places people into hierarchical order, right? But the Bible declares there is neither Jew or Gentile, free or slave, male or female in Christ Jesus. This, this is a revolutionary statement that directly contradicted heavenly order that was so prevalent at the time. Did you know that the daily prayer of people of faith, gratitude prayer, that, that people of faith prayed every day as, a, as a, a, a part of their, you know, it's like Lord's Prayer, you know, or like before you eat, we say grace. Are you familiar with like saying grace before you eat? It's just sort of like a, 
you know, show of devotion, show of gratitude to God. The daily prayer at that time was, thank you, God, for making me a man, not a woman. Thank you, God, for making me a person of faith, not a secular unbeliever, a Jew, not a Gentile. Thank you, God, for making me free, not slave. That was a daily gratitude prayer, like saying grace. Does that not betray the mentality at the time? Right? There's a heavenly order. Man ahead of woman. Believer ahead of unbeliever. Unbelievers, they're going to hell. They're pigs. Free above slave. Order everywhere. And they didn't even realize there was anything wrong with it. They're like doing this as if this was serving God. This was a great thing to do. How do you think God felt? Hearing all these daily prayers, everybody thinking, I am such a you know, devoted follower of God. I'm a good Christ, you know, Christian or Jew or whatever. I'm praying. I'm praying this. When God says there is no man or woman in Christ Jesus. How do you think God felt? Paul says God overlooked it. But now God calls us to repentance. God overlooked it at the time because the people of faith are products of their culture and time. And we are all flawed. Anyone here perfect? Everybody's flawed, including people who wrote the Bible including devoted people of faith. They belong to their time and their own culture. You can't expect church to be thousands of years ahead of its time. You, you, we're all people of our times. Yes to all that. You know, the Bible, the Bible itself is a product of partnership between God and people. Just as Jesus is God and a human being, in Christian faith, we do not believe God just comes and does everything and like make us into robots and make us, you know. It's not like Bible writers were like, God comes down and just go, and God just takes over, right? God just like, you know, possesses you and you become like this zombie robot. Now I am possessed by God. I will write down what God says. Boo, 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 boo. That's not how it happened, okay? Maybe some other religions believe that, that it's a dictation from the heavens. But all Christian theologians do not believe the Bible was a dictation from heaven, at least all respectable ones. It was people of faith trying to write down what they thought God was doing and saying faithfully. Because it's vine and the branches. God is the vine, we are the branches. Branches bear fruit. Vine does not. Vine tries to get the branches to bear fruit in the best way it can, but branches can do whatever it wants. Branches can go off, away from God. Jesus makes that very clear. Branches have their own hand in this. So they are writing stuff down as best as they can with the mentality they got. Divinely inspired. I believe that. 
But there are going to be statements that belong to their times because that's what they thought. They are limited by their own language, their culture, their times, their way of thinking. So the Bible is going to be full of statements that belongs and appropriate to their time. Like, don't eat any shellfish or God will send you to hell. Do, do you really believe that? That if you eat shrimp, I mean, anybody here, like, really, like, shrimp is, like, from the devil? You know, like, you eat shrimp, you're contaminated forever. I mean, who believes that? It's in the Bible. That was appropriate for the time. Maybe the shrimp went bad back then. I mean, and they thought that it would just cause a plague, you know, if you ate shrimp. I, I, who knows, right? The Bible says women should not speak in public. That it's a disgrace for women to lead men that no church should recognize such practice. Should we follow that, that women should never lead men? Ever, anywhere? From the Bible. Why do we not follow that? Because there is also statements like, there is no male or female in Christ Jesus. Aren't they contradicting each other? So how do you know which one to follow? Which one is divinely inspired and which one is influenced by the limitations of people at the time? How do we tell? It's not that hard, actually. It's not that hard. Because this idea that women should not lead, that it's a disgrace, it betrays the actual age mindset, men above women. There is a divine order. It's a product of their time. Whereas there is no man or woman in Christ Jesus, that's 2,000 years ahead of its time. Do you see that? Nobody thought like that anywhere. You go to China, trust me, men above women. There's supposed to be like 300 million you know, female fetuses were probably aborted in China over the last 50 years because of this mentality, man above woman. Anywhere around the world, actual age, man above woman, product of their time. There is a concept in historical culture that culture doesn't change overnight. It creeps. It, it moves like one step at a time, very slowly. It's kind of like you can't expect to find insights of nuclear physics from writings that's 2,000 years old. You can't go from, yeah, one plus one is two to second derivative calculus overnight. It advances slowly. Just like that, culture advances slowly as well. There is no man or woman in Christ Jesus. That's like finding nuclear physics from writing 2,000 years ago. That's so ahead of its time. That is divinely inspired because no human being thought like that. Do you see that? You see that? Bible is wonderful if you have the right mindset. The mindset that God is unconditional love. That principle, all over the Bible, it says, go by that principle and you will not go wrong. Unconditional love. So repent. 
turn around. I mean, for example, even like in, you know, when we read in the Bible, everywhere in the Bible, God is referred to as a male, as a he. Even in this passage, I tried to change all the he's to God's, and I missed a couple because there were so many. Do you see that? Everywhere it says God is a he in the Bible. Do you really believe God is male? Bible itself tells us God transcends gender and that God made male and female in God's image. So both are in God, right? Do you really think that God is man and not a woman? I mean, I can't help you if you really think that. But we feel free to refer to God as a he all the time. All the time. That is just like daily gratitude prayer. Thank you, God, for making me a man, not a woman. Because that mindset will cause harm. Repent. Don't do that anymore. Don't, re- don't think of God as a he. Refer to God as a he. That is insulting to God. And God will be offended by such mentality. Do you see that? Yes? Amen? Time to repent? Let's move away from actual age that was good at the time. It brought civilization forward at the time. 3,000 years old idea. It is time now to move into God's kingdom and move forward into what God really wants. Unconditional love. Faith. God is good. God is your best friend. God is trying to give you the best you can. Believe in this. No matter who you are. And good fruit will come. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you are trying to bring us forward. Thank you that you are trying to lead us to a life that is full of joy and love and possibilities that come from you. Open us up. Open our hearts up now. Help us to repent from this this heart that is gripped by fear, gripped by judgment, that is always in our heads, that is always pointing out what is wrong with us. Free us. Because God, you are divine and you just love us to pieces that you think we are the best even though you see better than anyone all the flaws in our lives. Help us to have faith in your love and favor and your joy and delight over us that we may live a delightful life in Jesus' name. Amen.